Okay, hi everybody and welcome to another special edition of What Would You Do If? And this week we are discussing the power of communities. We've got two special guests who may become a regular feature depending on how they perform today, no pressure, in the form of John Halliwell, who's our Exec Creative Director, and Oliver, or Ollie Brewood as I call him, uh, who's our Head of Tech here at BDB. So to give a couple of different perspectives and opinions on this as a topic. So I'm going to open with a quote and then leave it open to you guys. So... Connection is an essential human need as vital as food or water. Discuss. <laughs> I suppose you've got to start by thinking what, what is connected. Mm -hmm. So if you start with the theory that it's people that are connected, yep. you've got to think, well, how are they connected and what is the kind of direct consequence of those relationships mm -hmm. and those connections? So mm -hmm. the first type of connection might be tribal. You okay. all have heard of tribal marketing because it's been around for quite a while now. That was, that came about a good few years ago yeah. now, now, didn't it? I remember we interviewed, we interviewed a guy who ran a company called Tribe Marketing, I think, which yeah. is still in existence. So it's one of those like buzzwords that came through, but it's quite useful in kind of defining what people are. Okay. So a tribe is a set of people that kind of share one similar sort of characteristic or one allegiance. Yeah. But that doesn't make a community, it doesn't make an audience, it doesn't make a marketplace. Yeah. So you're part of tribes and you say, right, we've got tribes over there. You've then got communities and communities are collections of tribes, of individuals, of groups yeah. who share a common kind of, I guess, mutual beneficial relationship okay. around a service, a product what, or a What's thing. a real life example of a tribe and so, a community, if that makes sense? That's what you should say that. Good prompt, <laughs> um, good prompt. Great prompt. I would say, We'll use football. That's probably the best yep. kind of approach, kind of analogy to use. If you ever want to read a really good book on it, read The Naked Eight by Desmond Morris, because mm -hmm. it all hooks back to kind of football and the way that people support things tribally. It's written in the 70s. It's quite interesting. But if you think about the fan base of a football club, yep. that is a tribe. They are all dogmatically thinking one thing, supporting one cause, and that's all that they do. But then if you think about how a football club, and City's a great example of this, actually. I thought it might be. <laughs> and how they've branched out. Yep. So they work in lots of different areas. So they have a this kind of movement called the Citizens. Yep. And it's how they build a sense of community around the football club. So okay. they're stuck out in the arse end of Eastlands. Yep. And they've worked really hard to kind of forge a relationship with that part of the city. So yep. obviously they started at Main Road, yep. they moved, they yep. took over the Commonwealth Stadium. And they have like the schools side of it, they have the women's side, football side of it, they yep. have kind of supporting charitable causes. Yep. And they all, all these things feed into the football club itself. Okay. And then you have the fan base as well. So that's kind of creating a community right. rather than a an individual tribe. There isn't a tribe of city, it's a community built around it. So I guess they're, they're, they're quite physical, real world examples of it. So Ollie, Mr. Tech, we'll call you from now on. Um, with the digital environment, the digital world, social media as it is today, I think we're seeing a lot of different companies and clients kind of dabbling or trialing different areas of communities, online yeah. communities. What's your opinion on that in terms of where they can be found, what we can do with them, where, where you are with that at the minute? Well, like you say, uh, there's more and more people doing it and more people doing it well, some people doing it not well in terms of you'll occasionally see forgotten communities, which okay. I think is one of the worst 
things because yeah. you, you set up a community with the idea, I suppose, of helping your customer race, your user base, um, whatever that might be. And then if, you, if you're not kind of keeping that active, then you're just kind of putting across a bad message. Uh, but uh, yeah, there are a lot of people doing it. There are a lot of people doing it well. So um, you have people like, I think it's Cat as an example, as in Caterpillar. Yeah. They have a community around um, around supporting for their product. It's obviously from a practical point of view for them as a company, taking some of the uh, support requirements off their off their team. But it's also just letting people that use their products share tips, share advice, that kind of thing about it. So is that like a forum kind of In mentality? that case, yeah, that is, yeah. Right. Okay. Um, where they're obviously kind of incentivizing people to help out and things like that. But yeah, in doing so, you're building that sense of community around it. But that's different to a real community because a real community is too late. Forums very one-way traffic, I think. It's kind of... Depends on what that, 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 but it creates the company. It's kind of just. Does that come into the role depending on what the client wants to play in that community? Because in that, in that mm-hmm. instance of a forum, because I was sat here thinking, if that was us setting up a forum for BDB as an example, it'd fill you with a bit of dread because you're sort of thinking, you know, what are people going to say on the forum? Yeah. Is yeah. That, does that put a lot of people off? Do you think in terms of opening that kind of voice out to the public? I think, I think uh, they definitely will with some companies with some mentalities, but I think you've just got to accept it. Going back to the same kind of argument you have with social media, those conversations are going to happen. Yeah. So it'd be better to take control of that conversation in an environment that, that you can manage, or at least in an environment that you can listen. Okay. Um, if you just let people go and have that conversation elsewhere, whether it's offline or whether it's just on their own social media, you're not going to know what's going on. You're not going to know what problems people are having. Or, and Conversely, you're not going to know when people really love things um, that you might find about on a community. It's a good way of looking at it, because yeah. if you've setting yourself up on social media at all, you're already opening yourself up to the... You're sort tipping well, the in the community. But even if you're not set up on social media, you're, you're open to it, because so how many everybody else has social media. Now, if something goes wrong on a product or service that you've had, straight on Twitter. I did it yesterday. That's peer pressure. <laughs> yeah. That's kind of like shaming people yeah. into action, isn't it? Yeah, Pimping. but I think that's that Twitter in itself, arguably, is... Uh, it's a universe it's a macro community, sense of, yeah but it is a, it's a yeah okay right okay but then you think you got to think why you're doing it that's probably the biggest thing people have got to think about yeah it's great to say I want a community I want to build a community of I'm going to pick logistics yeah for example <laughs> Very because it's week. quite timely for us yeah and that's great and brilliant you're going to set up a community of people who work in and around logistics but why are you doing it yeah and you've got to figure that out first otherwise you are you you're creating a forum that could run away with itself that you won't It's control. similar to any conversation we have, I suppose. If, if a client comes to us and says that they want a mobile app as an extreme example, we, we instantly dial back that conversation and sort of say, why do you want it? What's the need? Because I think people get have a romantic idea in their head about what a mobile app is mm. and they, there's a bit of vanity around it and they think they want it. Always mom, and they, so there's always a bit of ego attached yeah. to an app. I think. And also, so they'll start the conversation with you want it and it's like, no, why do you want it? And the same thing applies to your community. What are you trying to get out of it? What what uh, challenges are being faced? Why do you want to engage with people? How do you want to engage with them? Do they want to engage with you? That sort of thing. And you need to understand that before you even start venturing into it's it. It's like anything. It's hard work. And there's like about, well, yeah, you could hone it down to probably maybe 10 or 12 things that you've got to think about really deeply before you start. Mm. And it's like anything. If it's worth doing, it's worth seeing it through correctly. Otherwise, you do end up spending a lot of money and a lot of bluster creating something that, like you say, becomes over time a dead community, a graveyard or yeah. the MySpace of communities. Well, you've got the things like uh, LinkedIn communities as well. LinkedIn, in theory, should be a great place for a, for a community. Obviously, as LinkedIn call them groups. Yeah. You've got 
uh, professional people, in theory, like-minded people have signed up to a network because they're interested in it. They've joined a group because they presumably want to find out more information on a subject or discuss a subject. But nearly every single one I've joined is yeah. just spammed um, to the point where it's useless with people, people just sharing pointless content, yeah. people trying to sell things. Yeah. Uh, and it just makes it completely pointless. Whereas, obviously, there are some people out there doing it well. You see some groups that are more controlled. They'll have a member base of, like, 500 people because they've made sure um, some of them are invite-only. Otherwise, other groups say, the are... Invite only yeah, some are invite-only. Otherwise, because... ones will really validate who it is applying. Yeah, so yeah. Uh, I've seen customer communities, for example. Uh, we use Pipedrive uh, mm -hmm. as our CRM. They have a customer community. They'll check when you apply to join it that you're really a customer before they let you in. Otherwise, you will just be another person adding to that noise, adding to that... Mm -hmm. Uh, sales pitch mentality. You can't co collect community members like you collect cards or stamps or whatever. Yeah, my. I'm trying to type. Does it, does it come? Does it come back to because obviously like customer centricity, consumer centricity, buzzwords at the moment that a lot of people are going on about is embracing community driving, or, or is one driving the other in the sense of this? It feels like more people are talking more about communities and using those kind of subgroups in a more detailed way as part of their marketing plan. I think it's a bit of a cycle. Right. By embracing a community, you're hearing more feedback, you're hearing more conversations, which helps you be more customer-centric in all your other practices and mm -hmm. just creates a bit of a feedback loop that you can There's continue to, to do something to better. Really exist for people have got to feel engaged enough and that they're getting enough back out of it yeah. to work. I mean, I, you can only go off personal experience mm. and I'm relatively reticent about joining online communities. In fact, I can... Bad, all bad dating experience. Yeah, all that stuff. But all the things like LinkedIn, it's like, you join it, it's bullshit. You know, after yeah. about two months, you're just like, I'm getting nothing out of this. I think the only community I've joined, and it's a real nerd niche thing, is a vinyl community on Facebook to mm -hmm. find out stuff that I'm personally interested in. Yeah. And you get stuff back from people who know a lot more than you do. And you actually start to feel that you're getting something yeah. as a quid pro quo there. That's where it comes back to what we were saying before about being prepared. Because if you're setting up a community, let's say it's an online community, you should know why you're doing it. And you should know that it's something your customers or users, whoever it is, will care about. Therefore, when you go and talk to them about it and share them with them, they should be getting excited about the idea of it, not it just being another piece of noise that you're throwing in front of them. Because Yeah. yeah. But is that, is that where LinkedIn should, work, should, should technically work better? Because that's what you typically see being like used in B2B for the meantime as they I've seen as groups. LinkedIn, it's, and they're called groups, aren't they? they are. So it's really hard, I think, in LinkedIn yep. to actually find a community. Yep. It's I mean, really easy. I mean, I'm probably a member of about 400 groups of yep. which I get no value. But I think it's one of the, just on LinkedIn specifically, I don't think they've ever quite understood what they're doing with groups. They've gone back and yeah. forth on it quite they, a lot. What they're doing is they're collecting tribes. So if you think about what community, you need a community, a community needs to do things. It needs to empower your customers. You know, you need to help them live like this 360 degree omni-channel dream mm -hmm. through a community. It can't just be yeah. a tribe. Otherwise, you're just collecting all people of the same opinion, same driver, and you're getting no value out of it. Yeah. Does that come back to the level of engagement, though, again? So when we talk about metrics, ROI, whatever we're talking to a particular client about, but depending on those metrics, if the metrics of how many people are in your group is the KPI that they've been set. But then, then that's impressions. That's what I'm saying. So in the sense of, is it better... Potentially set the wrong metric in the first place. Well, engagement, I would say genuine engagement. That's yeah, what, that's how, what do you me how do you measure that to a value? Dif them. Difficult, and that's what, that's what I mean at the minute, but in the sense of... I think we're seeing more and more clients and prospects moving towards that as a metric in terms of rather than it being impressions or members or 
um, we had the prospect yesterday, didn't he? He was quoting the number of likes they'd had on something. Yeah. yeah. I was like, okay. Or well, AEV or something. Oh, that's how's that converted into new business for you? What have you done with those likes? Yeah. Well, you've got, so we're a partner of Drift, which mm -hmm. is effectively chat and chatbot type software. Um, they have a partnership community and that's a Slack group. Um, you see, you're able to have, it's a, it's a, as obviously you can imagine, it's a relatively small group yep. uh, as things go. It's not thousands of people. It's, it's I think, just under 200 people in that group. Okay. You, you are able to ask questions and have a more meaningful level of conversation. And then outside of that specific Slack group, they also do extra things to help support that community in, in terms of things like ongoing conference calls kind of on a monthly basis sort of things like that. Okay. But what you're getting there is the perfect thing, is it? If you're part of a community of use, if you're a user group, community yeah then what you're getting is the unbars you're getting the experience from people who've worked with yeah. thrift over time and that's like, what i mean is there's a purpose for me joining it and they must know this when they've created it is that they yeah. know other partners are going to be interested in joining it because they'll be able to share expertise share experiences and it benefits everybody um which means that they, when they set it up they had a clear purpose yeah. in mind so apple do it really really well when something goes wrong or you can't work out why the new os will cra crashes bloody every Microsoft program as soon as you upload it. You go on there and you get like some fairly hardcore geeks coming mm. back with like code and stuff you've got to do through terminal. But you'll find the answers and that you do go down and you yeah. value it. Mm. Apple do not control it. They might to a degree audit it and adjudicate and kind of administrate. Yeah. It, but they don't actually contribute themselves in any way, shape, or form. But what form. they have is a passionate audience there. They have an incredibly <laughs> bought-in, passionate audience. But I, so if we've touched on what's a tribe, what's a community, is it worth diving a bit deeper into how this can be embraced in a marketing communications mix, I guess, in that sense? So clients who want to embrace community, want to build a community, where, where do they start with this kind of thing? So I'm conscious on these kind of podcasts to try and always try and give some tangible advice yeah. rather than theory. There's an awful lot of theory that gets spouted in these kind of areas, but a client comes to you and goes, right, we want to create a community, yeah. we want to start something. What's their starting point? I think they've got to ask themselves some pretty deep questions yeah. in terms of staff. You know, what's the value of it? Why, why do we think we want to do this? Yeah. And not only with, not only value to them, I think yeah, the more want the value to the users. Yeah. yeah, that's what I mean. It's not necessarily you can't start with what's the value to me. It's, yeah, that's quite often the disconnect for a lot of yeah, clients. I say, I say from, I'm sure we're guilty of it internally at times, yeah. and I've definitely seen it hundreds of times with clients. Is that you, you start thinking like, what do we want from this? What do we want? Yeah, but you Whereas need to think what does the, the user, Why would the user join this at this point in time? So yeah. that's kind of I guess, and it's a phrase Matt and I heard only recently a couple of times: consumer centric. Yeah. So it's don't worry about what it does for me, worry about what it does for my customer. Mm -hmm. yeah. And then by default and proxy, that will benefit yeah. me. So you've actually got to take it that one stage further and think about what is the value of it, you know, who's going to join it. And that very... see, that's worth touching on that as well, because that does seem to be an emerging trend. I'm seeing more and yeah. more in B2B connecting it to the end user pain points. And you might think, oh, that's, oh, that's always been done. I don't think it no, has. No, I don't. I think we've got a couple of clients who do do it. Yeah. And they do it in a very, they do it in different ways. Yeah. So yeah. The likes of DSM will always try and mirror mm -hmm. consumer marketing yeah. so that they can kind of create this this kind of connect of being in touch with the consumer wants and needs and what's driving yeah. the market for their customers. Yeah, and the, the modern B2B buyer wanted to mirror their B2C buying experience. Exactly, they want an omni-channel. It's the same kind of thing. They want you an omni-channel you yesterday on Twitter to somebody yeah. and you want to have that same But kind they want of... the same experience across yeah. every channel. They yeah. don't want to be treated differently yeah. or 
So I guess the first step then is, yeah, figure out what it's for and, and do people want it? And I guess connected to that is you might as well talk to some of the people that you're expecting to use it. Yeah. Before you go and invest whatever it is, time or money in creating that community, validate the idea with people, yeah. make sure that it's what they want and yeah. that, that they think they're likely to use it. Yeah. You've got to think, you know, are you going to moderate it? Are you going to let it do its own thing? We're guilty of that at times, aren't we? Because I think, again, when it comes back to knowing, knowing your customer, and I feel like we've said this a lot in pictures recently, all of us, and you, you go to a prospect or even an existing client of ours who's been in business for 30, 50 plus years and they, they know their customer and you hear that phrase and you think, do, do you? Yeah. Um, how, and we, we're guilty yeah. of it because you said yeah. many, you know many times to me, let's yeah. speak to our customers. Like, you know your, customers. That's the interesting thing though, isn't it? It's, uh, you do know your customer because mm. they're your customer. What you don't know is what you don't know. Mm. Yeah. And you don't know your prospect. I still don't think they know why, quite often, why why they buy from them because it might be a relationship that's been running for 15 years. Yeah, so why they bought from them 15 years? That's ago? probably a blend of apathy, fear of change. Yeah. Probably there was a, a key word that you said there. Yeah. You yeah. don't know. You don't know. You're, right, you're absolutely right. <laughs> but, I think that, but I think that arguably is where community also comes, isn't it? So under, helping you understand yeah. your yeah. customer, your demographic, and actually having more of a deep dive into what yeah. the wants and needs of them beyond your assumptions. Yeah. Exactly, and that's what it should over time should give you is that kind of understanding of what's going on yep. in your world. Yeah. But you've got to be really careful to listen to them. I think that's the other thing is yeah, set the community up. Yeah. God's sake, don't ignore it once it's set yeah. up. Otherwise you're going to end up like missing signals or yeah. kind of just infuriating people. Yeah. Annoying people. Well, that is and really if it, if it starts to die, then uh, because you're not engaging enough with it, because I mean, there's no doubt the co the company themselves have to help drive that engagement, help to drive, have to dr help drive that conversation. And if you neglect it, and that conversation starts to die off, and you get new customers look at that community or prospects even worse. It just doesn't set a very good image as as you as a company that's keeping things active and maintained and providing that support. Well, it flies completely in the face of customer centricity yeah. or consumer centricity or whatever. I think you've got to understand it's not. When you set these things up and you start putting feeding content or opinion or I don't know whatever it might be into that community, mm -hmm. it's not yours anymore. It's literally it kind of it becomes community property, and that nice. at, at that point you've got to let it go and mm -hmm. live its own life. But in in that sense, to that regard, I suppose that would make me quite reticent and worried about even starting a community or getting involved in one. It sounds like a load of admin. Is that, is that nothing, nothing that's worthwhile is easy, is it? And you've got to think, what do you want? Are you there to... Who'd, be, who'd be running this at a client? Who's, who's, who's running this community? Who's in charge of it? Is it the marketing team? Is it customer services team? Is it, it depends how brave and how well the brand values live through a client. So yeah. arguably, in an ideal world, everyone within client X should be capable of being a member of that community if they understand the company's brand values, understand their proposition, yeah. understand where they fit in their customer's world. They yeah. should all be able to add value mm -hmm. yeah. and deliver a different kind of tone of voice and a different opinion into it. And if, the, if something comes up and it's a customer service person on there and they don't know how to deal with that inquiry because it's really a question that the marketing team need to handle about brand or direction or something along those lines, they should care enough to refer it, not just ignore it. And likewise, if... if uh, customer services question comes up and a marketing person yeah. sees it, they should be able to refer that on and help 
resolve whatever issues you're going to have. And that is things where click funnels, drift, conversational marketing do come into play, I guess, between the directing that conversation or query yeah. to the right person. It's the same when we talk about dealing with social media as well, because there's always that concern around what do we do if we start getting negative comments. And you just need to have policies and processes in delete place them, to handle them. it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Don't delete them. <laughs> That's just when people start getting angry and posting more. <laughs> and now all of a sudden there's a small group of people that are angry that you're suppressing the noise. Yeah. And angry actually, community. Yeah. Well, what you've got to do there is you've got to be smart enough and quick-witted enough to be able to change that conversation there mm-hmm. and then onto the agenda yeah. that you want. And yeah. I think I, I remember... But that's the we same... Were, Sorry. When we were doing a workshop recently, mm. one of the clients said to me, right, we've got this product, yada, yada, yada. The, co- the competitors are saying to us, oh, ours is better, it's cheaper, etc., etc. How do How do we... How do we kind of attack that they're saying it's better it's cheaper it's easier to get hold of and so yeah. what you've got to look at is what do you want to talk about yeah. what have you got that you can't you know don't talk on the terms of your competitor or them talk about it from the terms that you want to talk about it yeah and we ended up finding out that it actually had 25 percent less plastic in it which is great for the yeah. environment kill less penguins everybody's happy yeah is it is it worth I'm conscious I'm, I'm looking back at my notes here on these ones. Talking about a couple of failed failed attempts at forcing communities. Yeah, you can... I think you can do it by analogy more than anything. It's easier to sort of say the sort of things you need to do in a community to make it work. Mm-hmm. So if you start a community, you cannot change the purpose, change its foundation, change what it's there to do and who it's there to service. So yeah. best analogy you can ever think of for that is Coca-Cola. Yeah. And the absolute debacle that they had in the mid-80s when they decided they were going to change it from Coke to New Coke. And everyone was up in arms and about three months later, suddenly you've got classic Coke back on the market. Yeah. And they must have spent billions. God knows how much, yeah. Horrendous. But all they did, and they were very arrogant about it as well, they just thought, well, we can change it, we can do this. The market wants this. But it harks back to him not understanding your customer. What they didn't do was actually ask the market. No validation Because clearly the market did not want it. Yeah. And you can't force your opinion. You've got to be agnostic. So you can't force things on to people. So whoever, if anyone's got an iPhone or access to Apple Music, everybody's suddenly got U2. And I hate U2. I can't stand it. And this U2 album keeps... Is it worth clarifying that for anybody that might not be aware of it? It was five years ago at this point. It was, it was, but they'll still have. It's still on there because you can't that, get it off. You can't get rid of it. It comes. You, you wouldn't know Android, would you? <laughs> but, um, so but, for any hardcore Android users out there, U2 Well, basically, an album. Apple did a co-promotion with yeah. U2 and launched an album through iTunes, as was. And gave it everybody for free. And gave it everybody for free, which is great if you like U2, but... It's also, it was forced. It's also <laughs> zero consideration for people, and I realise this more and more now from the Judy guys in Arctic that don't have any memory on the phone, don't have any space yeah. on the phone, don't have any data on the phone, and yeah. suddenly they've got 12 U2 tracks that, I think yeah, it was 12, that, nobody needs. That, that nobody wanted or needed, unless you were a hardcore U2 fan. But um, again, yeah, no consultation, and if anybody has tried to delete it, it just keeps coming back, yeah. <laughs> still five years later. So it's, um, yeah, a t- a t- another terrible You've got to do that, and then not ignore what people are telling agenda. you. Yeah. Don't, don't ignore if you've been told something. So you've got things like, I don't know, Xerox, for example, mm-hmm. who made, made copiers back in the day and mm-hmm. now defunct. They became, over time, and they've been around for 10 decades, they became the generic within the copier industry. Mm-hmm. So 
in the States, everyone would say, I'm going to go and Xerox that. Yeah. And in their wisdom, the guys at the top said, we don't want this, we don't want this. And it was like, no, you will be a copy. It is a photocopy. Mm-hmm. And essentially, they lost so much market share through that. And, you know, the likes of Canon came through. And Rather than embracing the Hoover. They didn't embrace <laughs> it. They didn't do what Hoover did. And now, oh, luckily, what Dyson did. Yeah. Or Google. You know, yep. become the verb, become the generic, and actually own the category. Mm-hmm. So if you're being given these signals, you've got to act on it. You can't set a community up get some intel back and then not like it and not act on it you've got to kind of take it in good faith and yeah. in terms of the roles within a community then are they the same from for a real world environment and a digital environment in terms of the roles you can play within a community or do you think that's evolved and changed since the likes of social and all that kind of stuff have come to life because I guess what I'm thinking about, I always think about if I was the client, this sounds like a lot of admin, sounds like a lot of hard work. I always think I'm controlling it, I've got to do it, I've got to... But that's where working with an agency that's got the capabilities from a client perspective is right and will help you out on that. Really, if if I'm totally honest with it, yes, if a client is in a marketplace and wants to be authentic and own a community, they have to own it themselves Mm -hmm. they have to put forward credible individuals within their business to monitor it moderate it and be part of it and they can't really be ghosted can they they can't not for the authenticity but but what you can do is you can kind of use an agency to support you in terms of curating content creating the content helping be administrative you can also start to rely somewhat on your users because user generated content is obviously a big thing lots of people are used to blogging used to sharing thoughts used to tweeting so getting people to share a little bit more, assuming it is of value to them. Yeah. Um, I think it's soon big get, if you catch, if it catches fire and people really engage with it, you get that perfect situation, don't you? Where actually, it's almost like fishing. It's just self-perpetuating. Yeah. It's going there on forevermore. Yeah. It's a little bit like that pipe drive <coughs> community that I mentioned before, or LinkedIn group if we prefer, is that it is just people sharing how you do things and, and kind of how, how they might implement this or that or... <laughs> Whatever it may be. Mm-hmm. But I think you've got to remember that's... Well, no, it is more... You're right, it is a community. I'm thinking... You look at things like LinkedIn, it's tribes. They, a group is a tribe. And where the value comes in is where you do get... So if you've got multiple buying personas in a category or a service, mm-hmm. when you've got a community where procurement can find value along with operations, along with marketing, along yeah. with product development, You've suddenly got an incredibly powerful tool to bring those four very disparate, very sort of uh, polarised sort of job roles together in one place. Yep. And if you can get your marketing message set right in the middle of that, you've suddenly got a really powerful, credible way of convincing them to kind of convert. So I think we've got time to sneak this one in, so I'm going to discuss it, because it tends to be a bit of a, an overlooked community arguably I would say at the minute although we're seeing more people turning their hand back to it particularly some of the prospects we've been dealing with recently but employee advocacy your own team your own workforce your own family at work are, are they a community in themselves are they no, a tribe no, what, no, what a tribe within a community so okay. there's an, an old phrase of if you look after the inside the outside will look after itself yeah. and there's never a truer word said yeah and if you want your organisation, if you want the people within your organisation to take part in communities, they have to understand who they work for, yeah. why they're working there, yeah. what the values are, what the mission is, what the kind of proposition is to the marketplace, so yeah. that the same message is repeated out. Otherwise, you get this kind of real clash where mm. you'll get one person saying one thing, 
another person from a different yeah. territory saying a different thing, and suddenly you're like, well, if these two people can't agree... I don't think I ever, ever appreciated that as much as I do now, having moved into Marcom's years ago now, but in the sense of the whole of that culture, mission, values, maybe, maybe it's because you're a business owner now, maybe it's because you're driving the team, whatever it is. I used to be a bit complacent about yeah. it all when I was growing up, and now, actually, I think to get your employees as true advocates of the business who are willing to share, comment, mm -hmm. not, and I don't mean... The generic, please share this piece yeah, of content yeah. and write this text, yeah. and it goes out do it, forty do times. Do it off their own back. Yeah, but be proud to share it and want to share it and be proud to you of where they work. Well, I think one of the things that I found, particularly in the last couple of years, is, you, and you'll definitely find this, is that you just don't have the time to do this stuff. Yeah. If you could go and shout like BDB's company values to every single client and prospect, then you would. But you don't have the ability to be there. So yeah. You don't physically have the time, so you need employees to be helping amplify that message on our behalf. Yeah. Well, it's yeah. when you do simple maths, isn't it? It's not my network, it's my network's network's network is doing the hard work here. So yeah, you did some stats on it a while ago, didn't you? I mean, it's not like I see to quote him now off the top of your head, but in the sense of, in terms of like sort of advertising I equivalent would. spend. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I put it on the spot here. But in terms of the advertising equivalent spend of yeah. what your team with their reach, if you get so many shares. And yeah, I like, I'll run off some fake maths. I won't give numbers. But if you start thinking about like um, just the size of your team, if everybody can share one social media post or write one social media post a week and each of them is followed by 300 people and you've got a team of you know 50 whatever those maths are please don't thank you no that'd be five there are numbers in there do a carol volume if you want anyway um the point is is you're quickly getting to a a really large number of messages going out to quite a large audience without having to pay anything extra to it other than what you would be paying anyway in in salaries and that's probably the key you know if you're looking at from a hard-nosed business cost return on investment kind of what am i getting from a money point of view yeah free marketing is worth its way now nothing's ever free but if you can actually engage your own people to do your marketing for you rather than paying google linkedin yeah. twitter trade media whoever it might be yeah. over time the actual cost and savings will will outweigh how are we doing for time sam give us there's a time check um, producer sam Beautiful. We're going to wrap up shortly. I was going to say, we haven't got time to throw in very quickly. What about influencers? Where do they sit in this in terms of their role in communities these days and how they can impact and shape the agenda? I am so sceptical about influencers because I think, you know, the problem you've got with. Started if they were chatbots, don't worry, we've got him around that one. Yeah. <laughs> um, it's important, yes, influencer marketing, marketing is important if it's credible influence, but yeah. you see so much nowadays. Fake of, communities. Yeah, and fake influencers. Fake followers, fake influencers. Yeah. Your Kendall Jenners, your Kim Kardashians, whatever it is. Yeah. Yeah. You've got to be so careful. And people are wary. People are you know, quite intelligent and really good at sniffing this sort of fake or insincere yeah. Yeah. sort of endorsement out nowadays. So to actually get it, you've got to just let it kind of almost, I guess, naturally arrive rather than trying to force any issues around it. Okay. Yeah. I mean, it, it, it can work well, but you've got to have, like, like John says, credible people that are, are doing that communication. And that doesn't necessarily exist in every space and isn't necessarily appropriate for every organisation. It feels like to me, if I'm splitting hairs and other people might want to correct me on it, but in the sense of influencers in B2B at the minute, I think of them more as thought leaders. So yeah. people yeah. that are driving the agenda, people that are of an intellect and credible perspective yeah. to drive and shape the agenda of their sector. Or I think the, uh, the acronym's KOL, isn't it? Key Opinion Leader. Yeah. So you will yeah. find... Certainly in the spaces we work in, which are more technical, more scientific, yeah. 
typically there'll be an academic yep. at the top of that tree who will be seen as like the world reference on whatever it might be omega-3 yeah yeah, yeah. one of a better one to pick but they'll be the ones that people look to for opinion so what you have to do is kind of i guess from a marketing perspective is support them yeah. and give them the sort of ammo through reports through kind of research that they can then start to disseminate out okay mm-hmm. any final thoughts on communities before we wrap up for this week uh yeah <laughs> Why not? Why not? Um, I, I guess one thing I would like to bear in mind, because it did come up when we were delivering a session um, recently, is that a lot of people, particularly in B2B, kind of think that they're in such a niche sector that they don't can't have a community because their product's boring or commoditized yeah. or whatever it might be. But I think the key thing I would say is that if it's of interest to your audience and relevance to your audience, then it can be relevant f- uh, to you to support a community that might be a bit wider than your business remit really is. Um, you don't have yeah. to be kind of stuck to your specific product. We don't need a, a you know, a community around bar stools. I thought that because I'm currently sat on one. Yeah. Um, but it can be going wider. Yeah. So you can take it beyond beyond yeah. your core product yeah. or service offering effectively to be involved. Yeah. Okay. Cool. I just think you've got to be really careful about not mistaking a group or a tribe for a community. Okay. So if you have a lot of people with the same opinion in a room, yeah, it, you start to create. A maelstrom so i don't know let's say the conservative party conference at this point in time that's that's the time stamp for this mm, one everyone's in a room shouting get brexit done get brexit done and they're all winding each other up to a yeah. point where there's no action or it's sort of paralysis whereas if you've got multiple opinions and multiple kind of viewpoints yeah that's where you get new ideas and innovation okay so uh, hopefully everybody thought that was a good episode thanks very much for John and Ollie for joining me um, we're now going to be taking a two week break um, a harder break after recording I can't remember quite how many episodes but it feels like quite a few uh, we're going to be coming back in two weeks time with a refreshed format so keep your eyes peeled but hopefully feeding you more and more information to help you continue to navigate the B2B marketing landscape in the meantime don't forget to check out um, the knowledge www.b2bknowledge.com Um, for our online editorial content to help you um, navigate the B2B marketing landscape while the podcast is uh, off air momentarily. Uh, Thanks very much and see you next time. Cheers.